host Gil Marom. Today, my guest is Nathan Rodnik. Nathan, how are you doing today? Uh, very good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, so, Nathan, let's start with a little bit of introduction by you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I, I'm currently working at the Buck Institute. Uh, I'm a rather new employee there. I just started six months ago. Uh, before that, I was doing um, advanced genetic uh, transformation research with uh, Dow DuPont. And um, I was doing plant genetics, basically. So, uh, that, that's my background. Okay, great. So you didn't, like you didn't start directly in the aging field. And what, what made you to do the transition to the field? How did you get into it? So um, initially when I was uh, growing up, I grew up on a family farm. And uh, my interest because of that was in agriculture, right? So that interest, you know, you want to feed the world, you have these kind of thoughts that um, you want to help society in some way, right? So initially I wanted to be beneficial, feeding the world would be something good to do and, and helping DuPont do that was basically the goal. So I worked with DuPont for uh, you know, pr approximately 10 years doing that um, and we, we made some success, right? So uh, uh, it's Coming to aging was kind of a, a, a consistently interesting part of what I was doing. So although I was doing plant genetics research, right, I was looking at the developments that were occurring in, say, uh, hu human cell culture stuff. So there was a lot of work being done in particular on, say, organ culture or developing organs uh, for transplant. Uh, and along with that, you periodically be hearing things about um, aging associated with the need for replacement organs. So that, that was more or less my uh, interest level and where that came from. So eventually my job at DuPont was um, Dow and DuPont merged and they started closing down satellite sites around the country, around the world really. So one of those sites was Hayward, California site, which is where I was working. So they shut that down and I was like, hey, I can find something else to do. And, um, <laughs> you know, everyone finds Elon Musk to be somebody to look up to. So he had this phrase, he, he was speaking and he was talking about um, solving difficult problems available to solve. So he, he was saying, oh, the internet's, you know, growing. That's, that's a place where we should be looking to put energy. And he was saying uh, genetic engineering was someplace, but he didn't have an interest in it, yada, yada, and space. So, you know, uh, a few different things. But it, the way he was thinking about it, I found it interesting. So he was saying, you know, put your efforts towards the thing that could matter the most. And I can't think of anything that could change the world or impact people society in general more than um, combating aging, preventing aging. I mean, we're talking about something that could uh, change the complete structure of humanity. So, um, you know, I, I got interested because of organ culture, basically. Um, and then that moved into, um, you know, really realizing that it, it can 
it can and will change the world, right? Like, if, yeah, even you know, rockets. That's really cool and everything, but yeah, what what does it help if you have a, a rocket and you're so old and you cannot go travel anyway? I think health is the basic. Like, it's really supposed to be the priority of the missions that society puts into. You, you see, like, we invest a lot in specific diseases, you know, AIDS, for example, um, Ebola research, that's something that we're putting money into, um, antibiotic development right now. I mean, there's a lot of money going into, you know, preventing disease. You know, the, the, I, I think aging's been overlooked for way too long. And, you know, the, the perception of it as a disease is still not really understood by the general public. So, I, but, you know, I see that changing too. Uh, it's coming along. Yes, um, it's a, there, there is a movement now for changing like the mindset of people and the perception that like we need to deal with with diseases like uh, after they they occur and not uh, to prevent them. I see a lot of movement to try to make aging being referred as a disease like le legally. That will be a big uh, step. But I think what is preventing people to get into it is that it still looks like a, a complex problem, aging. What do you think, like it's a complex problem, but what do you think is the, is the main factor that uh, starts the process? Huh. The main factor that starts aging? Well, I mean, for, for me, um, you know, I think of everything from a genetic standpoint, right? So when you consider what aging actually is, where, where did it come from? Like all, all systems like this have a function. So there's a purpose for aging, right? And we're, basically we're talking about changing something that's been going on since the beginning of time or well, the beginning of life itself, right? Um, you know, uh, plants age, insects, everything ages, right? So well, I, I just think it's an inherent built-in part of the ancestral genetic system that we inherited from, you know, the microbial soup that we've crawled out of. Um, you know, now that we're competently becoming competent genetic engineers, we, we can, you know, hopefully reach back through time and make some changes, but uh, we have to find what to change, and that's truly the issue. So, you know, I see people in the research that's occurring now, it, it's very mechanistic. They want to find, you know, this protein is affecting this factor and it's causing this cascade effect. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of systematic, but... Um, which is making progress. I mean, you know, the senolytic drug thing, for example. I mean, there are things that are happening that are quite innovative, and and there's a lot of potential. Um, but again, when you're when you're doing mechanistic approaches, it it takes a lot of very uh, diligent scientific work that takes time, and it's it's incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, so I I mean, you know, 
blessings to the people that are doing this work because it is simply not easy. Like you're you're unlocking very very difficult to discover things, and then you have to prove that it's real. You know, so there's like, oh, I think I found this, and then you know, verifying that to the point where people will accept it as a fact. I mean, this is this can be difficult. So that's. Progress is being made. Yeah, can, can you can you see the progress that that's been made? Like, can you oh, feel yeah. it? Without a doubt. I I, I mean, it's the, the 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 thing that is interesting too is when you look at the entire field, science field currently, right? Um, with, with the impacts of CRISPR technology and uh, current technology being used for treatment of cancer, uh, you know, these things in combination, it, it, innovation comes in two ways. It's evolutionary or it's revolutionary. And, and we're on the verge of what is a revolutionary change with CRISPR technology for genetic engineering. So uh, the, the ability to change one base pair or eliminate entire sets of genes is going to and has been dramatically increasing our, our capacity to do complex experiments and to, to do those mechanistic experiments that are super difficult. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, we have to have that technology be, we have to have the scientists be capable of using that technology, and that's taking more time than the, the development of the technology. You know, CRISPR has only been around for a short amount of time, but like everyone's been working on it because it's so dramatically improves and, and speeds up the uh, capacity of an individual scientist to do a ton of work. It, it, it is going to utterly transform the way science is done. You know, with that innovation, the speed of innovation is going to be so dramatic in the future. Um, CRISPR is one of those things that people talk about um, and should be talking about, like at the dinner table. You know, it, it everyone should know what it is. Kind of like everyone should know, you know, that aging is a disease. It's just, you know, the the general public probably doesn't really understand what's happening. Yeah, well, part of the motivation while why I'm creating this podcast is to make it uh, published to the general people because not not only scientists should talk about it. I mean, we talk about uh, any conflict, social conflict, daily basis, so why not on uh, research? Yeah, well, I, you know, the thing is people have to be interested in it, right? So currently, you, like we, we, what we're talking about in that regard would be social change, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when people are more interested in their particular favorite basketball or football player, they're, you know, ha have your hobbies and be interested in things. But when you're I mean, the world's changing very quickly. And if you want to focus on 
particular thing. I mean, you know, clearly I'm a scientist, so I'm a little biased towards this, but uh, I, I wouldn't want to be so unaware of the changes that are, are going to appear in the next 50 years. It, it, um, uh, but, you know, when, when computers came about, there was a bunch of people that did not want to use them, right? You know, the similar things are going to happen in the biotech field. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of amazing things coming. You also mentioned um, the CRISPR te technology. How, how far do you think we are to implement it in, in treatments, like to take someone's DNA and to play with it? <laughs> So, so that that depends a lot because if you're talking about uh, future people, right? So, so egg sperm, they've already done that in China. It's been done. Uh, they use CRISPR technology and they've produced two children with edited genomes, right? So that that's been done. When you're talking about um, changing your genetics or my genetics or uh, somebody with um, muscular sclerosis, right? That's more of a targeting issue right now, right? So, you know, your, your body's made up of how many, you know, there's a ton of cells on you. And when you're talking about targeting and disease, each one of your cells has that disease element in it. So you'd have to transform the entire or enough cells that it would alleviate the symptoms of a disease. So it's really a targeting issue, but that that issue is kind of being resolved in the cancer field at the moment. So they're they're working on how do we target only cancer cells? So so we give someone this treatment. Uh, there's this mechanistic attachment point, but it's only triggered by cancer cells. So we can dose somebody full of this chemical, and we'll only go to uh, cancer cells to kill that particular cell or, or that group of cells. And uh, basically, they're using the immune system to do that now. Um, I believe it's called CAR T-cell treatment. It's something that you should look up. But, but that particular treatment could also be re-engineered to deliver uh, genetic alteration material, right? So you can use it as a delivery mechanism for genetics, in theory. But that targeting mechanism is really the problem, right? So what, what cells do we want to transform? How do we deliver uh, genetic material to that cell? So, so right now, for example, uh, for plant transformation, there's, there's two ways to do it. There's a bacterial delivery mechanism. So there's a bacteria that uh, will basically conjugation tube forms and, and DNA flows through that tube. And that bacteria basically attaches to the, the cell and delivers DNA. There's also a particle bombardment technology. So it's basically like shotgun method. Um, and, and these are really, really, uh, the shotgun method, for example, there's no control. It's a controlless mechanism, whereas the bacteria, at least you have, uh, you can kind of control how much DNA flow goes through there. But it's still not perfect. So that's where CRISPR came in super handy, because using the, the CRISPR method, you could eliminate unknowns, right? So you'd get one gene instead of like six as far as copies go. There's a bunch of, uh, I mean, it just really, CRISPR, CRISPR really did change everything.
want to talk with you a little bit about uh, sarcopenia. Okay. Yeah. Is any old, very old person that will get it in the end of the day? Or some people are just uh, immune to it? So, you know, I've, I've been researching this heavily for the last six months since I, I've been working at the Buck. Um, and my understanding is that everyone will be affected by it as they age. Some people will be affected less and some people more. Now, they don't understand why that is yet. Um, but needless to say, sarcopenia, which is the loss of muscle as you age, can be prevented or at least delayed, you know, via exercise. And people, people should know that exercise is the best current method for delaying aging. So if, if, you're, if you're listening to my voice, if you're within earshot, please do yourself a favor, go lift some weights, build some muscle, because you only have so much, and as you age, you want to have as much as possible because you will lose it. So uh, bone density too. So with exercise, you build bone density, and that bone density will help you as you age as well. So if we can't stop aging, <clears throat> um, we can slow it with exercise, and we've known that for a long time. So uh, the, the what is it? The, the simplest method sometimes is the best, right? Kiss, keep it simple. Um, so so that, that's my advice to people. Um, but there's no way to avoid sarcopenia at the moment. Is there any change in the genes while, while it's happening? Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, there's this thing called epigenetics, right? And epigenetics is, it, it's a regulation of the genome. So there's a, a methyl group, which is just your carbon with four hydrogens. That, that can be attached or detached to the DNA system, kind of shutting down or activating or deactivating um, sections of the DNA. So your, your DNA is always changing, but as you age, it's an accumulation of changes through epigenetics. Um, now, <laughs> can I verify that sarcopenia is related to uh, epigenetics? No, but there's, if, if I'm going to speculate on such a thing, I would say that it's probably impacting something. The gene regulation is changing through your life, so, uh, it's 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 an accumulation issue, right? Either it's an accumulation of um, senolytic cells, uh, cells that stop dividing. Um, it, 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 this is the theory, right? It's an accumulation effect, but um, genetic accumulation and changes via methylation could be one of the things. But it, you know, it's. It's a problem, you know. Yeah. Science is, you know, we're whittling through it. Mm. Well, let's let's be optimistic. Uh, as long as there is a, you see the change. Things are going to change so quick. You know, um, people talk about it all the time. What's his name? Um, uh, Aubrey de Grey. Aubrey de Grey is the the aging guy that everyone, you know, everyone knows the guy, the beard guy. 
So yeah. he is uh, and has been on the forefront of this thing for a very long time. People used to say, oh, you're crazy. And I, you know, well, I, I think he has every right right now to step back and say, I told you so, right? Just if you consider what's happening with cancer cell treatment again, and you could, you could just, right now there's no money in aging, right? Well, I mean, there's not no money. I mean, money's coming in, but cancer cells have billions of dollars are going into it. The innovation is gonna come through cancer treatment, which will eventually uh, impact aging and everything else. So if, if we can get some more money in aging, I think we'll be doing really well. It just, you need to have money, money gets people uh, innovations, right? So if right now all of the talent is going to cancer treatment, those, those scientists are, you know, driven to solve that problem, right? So this is why I think we have to socially get people to be thinking about uh, aging because the scientists of tomorrow need to know that this is the problem that really matters. Yes, it's and that it's really like uh, a path of career that someone can take. Yeah. New stu it, students, they don't know it. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind there's there's a few companies right now, but it, it's not like it's not a huge supply of companies, right? But it's a growing supply of companies where you could go to. But you have to have those skills. You have to be. It, it, for me to go from doing plant genetics to doing uh, sarcopenia research was not something that's easy to do, right? I'm still learning every day. So there's, there's coming into a field and having a, a base level understanding of, you know, what you will be working on. Um, right now, I think is a good time for people to transition to it, actually, because it's not... I mean, it's a growing field, but it hasn't developed to the point where it's, we're only taking people that have worked on um, immune system treatments or something like that, right? It, it is open to uh, new mindsets. And keep in mind when that happens, right? So you, if you can get people from a bunch of different fields and bring them together, uh, you can have, you know, rather rapid innovation based on the diversity of understanding of different things within the sphere of those people. I I think that that actually I want to ask you how how tough is it to get a fund? Well, I so when I was at Dupont, I mean they had like I'm not going to say bottomless pockets, but if I needed something, it was rather rather easy to get it. Um, I I haven't really worked to try to get money uh, so far. I mean I'm I'm aware of it though, so yeah. It, it's in the back of my mind is something to be concerned with where uh, when I was at DuPont, it wasn't so much an issue. But that said, um, there is there's definitely a supply of money available for startup companies. Um, the, the buck itself, you know, it's a remarkable place. I mean, first of all, it's beautiful. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, uh, the, the most beautiful scientific research site I've ever seen. It's yeah. it's on top of a hill. You got, you know, there's uh, falcons flying over. There's deer walking around. We have turkeys. It's crazy beautiful. Um, so, you know, funding, funding is an interesting and complex thing in aging right now because... To, to get funding, you have to be able to cure 
you, you have to target a, a disease, right? Yeah. So aging is not technically a disease yet. So in order to get funds to to prevent aging, people are targeting uh, underlying diseases like sarcopenia was actually just termed uh, a disease for treatment, right? Yeah. That's why sarcopenia kind of became um, a really good target, you know, where funding can come in. So uh, right now, though, my um, my PI is getting that funding. He's doing that. Um, and, you, I, I, you know, we sense some stress in what he's doing, but he's, he's rather confident to getting money. So uh, we're not overly concerned. I think... I think there's, uh, as we said in the beginning, there's a change in uh, um, this technically, uh, legally definition for aging is. Uh, it's improving, it really. Yeah, is. I I know. I think uh, there is a drug called met metformin that is supposed mm -hmm. to be registered as dealing with aging. There is a attempt to try to do it. This is what I heard. Um, we'll we'll get back to sarcopenia. So, if if it's a muscle problem, and like organs are starting to be uh, artificially plant in people, so why is it so hard to create muscle and plant it in someone? Uh, well. So, so first of all, like surgeries are difficult, right? So, so I don't th I, like if 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 I was in a car accident and my leg was torn up, I guess it would be awesome to have a replacement muscle. Um, yeah. But your your body is a machine, right? This this machine can rebuild itself. So, from my perspective, it even even with transplants. You know, I, I used to be a big proponent of, oh, we'll just build transplants and then we'll cut you open and we'll stick the new one in. You know, we'll just we'll just switch the part. But we're thinking at the wrong level in that regard because we're looking at the organ, not cells, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really the cells are the problem, not the organ, right? So it's it's a par in in my mind anyway, it's a paradigm shift in what we're what we're viewing. Um, Organ culture is totally possible. Uh, it's being done for several different things. And in some instances, like there's tracheal um, tra tracheal transplants. There's, uh, I believe, lung transplants were done. There's a lot of areas where it's super beneficial. There's actually a, a, a group of pigs that were gen genetically engineered using CRISPR. Um, that, yeah, so this is something to look into. There's... I should have got his name. There's a scientist that has been working for many, many years on genetically engineering pigs so they can remove the anti... The, your, when you get a transplant organ, right, your body responds to the foreign material. So it's fighting it, trying to kill it off because it thinks it's some invasive thing. So what this scientist did is he took pigs, genetically engineered them, removing all of the proteins that cause that reaction. So he had pegs that had the ability to take the heart from a peg and put it in a human and it wouldn't be rejected. So you wouldn't need to be on anti um, or immune system suppressants, right? 
the problem was that the pig had um, viruses and retroviruses. It was full of retroviruses. I forget how many. It was like 46 or something like that. So they built a CRISPR system to knock out all 46 genes at once to get rid of all of the retrovirus stuff. It's an incredible feat of technology. I mean, it's amazing. So, you know, the organ thing is actually, it's very possible that we could have organs from these pegs. But the thing is, like, how valuable is that peg if it's going to breed and make more pegs that um, would would also be able to provide organs? And right now, I think there's only, like, a litter of five of them. Um, and and that, that, that was 2016, I think. So, you know, I have to rewind and uh, dig up some old articles. But those pegs are alive and they're growing. So, you know, what's happening? I, I don't really know. Somebody needs to do an article on that again. Uh, it's a sidetrack thing. I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> What's well, we we were talking. How hard will it be? Is it the direction like to plan anyway muscle for dealing with sarcopenia or? Yeah. So, so sarcopenia is one of those things where, for example, if um, I mean other aging, uh, other aging interventions will be able to resolve sarcopenia. So even uh, Anything that's going to reverse aging will prevent sarcopenia from happening. So assuming that the senolytic drug application becomes, you know, implemented and we actually have something that, that's um, drug senolytic, that should prevent or at least reduce the onset of um, sarcopenia. So uh, it's a difficult problem to solve. That's... Mechanistically, I think it's I think it's an error to assume that we should be uh, e even. There's a period of time here where we're going to have to transition from uh, organ trans, you know, or, <laughs> organ transplants to what I would almost say is a cellular transplant. So stem cells are also progressing, and I think that that's truly the way to do it because there's no destructive invasive surgeries with it and. Uh, it's a paradigm shift, and I think it's the uh, level at which we have to be looking. So, I read a little bit about the uh, TOR enzyme. Okay. Um, can, can you speak about it? I, I, okay, if I tell you I'm unaware of it, if, if you tell me a little bit, I might be able to, you know, lend some insights, but I, I don't recognize the name. Tor enzyme. Oh, Tor. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so well, I know I know you have uh, worked on the. Uh, so so, so Tor yeah. Tor is um, uh, it's, it's M M M Tor. So uh, T O R means target of rapamycin, and rapamycin is a drug that. Um, it, it was discovered on Easter Island. It's a fantastic, it, it's a really interesting molecule. So um, the fact it's discovered on Easter Island is just also one of those things. So it came from a bacteria on Easter Island, and uh, I believe it's an antifungal initially. So they were trying to discover what, and mind you, I'm talking about rapamycin at the moment, um, which, you know, sounds like an antibiotic, but it, they, they were trying to use it for antifungal stuff. Eventually, I believe it was used for AIDS treatments, um, like a suppressor of the immune system. Um, but that 
drug basically slows down protein production so it, it slows everything down it stops cell division like cell cycle everything it's it is a a master switch for slowing down cell cycle for sure um there's a lot of studies right now using rapamycin that are indicating that it could extend life um that's honestly probably one of the most remarkably interesting things happening right now. Um, and I, I haven't worked with it directly, but I can tell you that the people that are working on it, uh, it's mesmerizing to watch. It, it truly is something that's, it, it is looking very, very good. Yeah. So compared to metformin, rapamycin is like, it makes metformin look not even worth talking about. Well, I I read a little bit that there's a speculation that it will help with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, well, so so there was a recent on Alzheimer's. If you want to transition, there, so Alzheimer's was re, there's a paper that was recently published saying that Alzheimer's was uh, a development of a gum disease, right? So it's an accumulation of a, a toxin from bacteria that cause gum disease uh, and that particular toxin they believe is also you know moving near your brain and depositing and causing plaques so it's I think I think it's still mostly open but um, with that information uh, if you're worried about Alzheimer's I think the the main thing you could do right now is brush your teeth every day twice a day um, <laughs> you know maybe yeah. you make a little note that says Alzheimer's and stick it on your mirror <laughs> when you brush your teeth, you'll be like, okay, I'm going to be fine. No I didn't hear about it. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, so people, please go read that article. That's a fascinating bit of research as well. Um, yeah, but I mean, these problems are all kind of getting solved. Uh, and keep in mind, like Alzheimer's is one of those, uh, it's definitely age related, but I mean, there are younger people that do get Alzheimer's or onset dementia. So and there's people that get Alzheimer's without plaques, right? So there's this theory that, you know, you need the plaques, but there's also drugs recently developed that get rid of plaques and Alzheimer's. So, I mean, there's a lot of hope there as well. Um, and again, that's one of those, you know, 50 years from now. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Did we have Alzheimer's 50 years ago, 100 years ago? What was the disease that was killing people? So I'm curious to know what is... What is the next thing that's going to kill us? Because we're going to solve cancer. We're going to solve Alzheimer's. You know, it, it, is age the next thing that we're going to all be focused on? But what's after that? I mean, there's got to be something. There will be no uh, animal job for scientists. All, all the scientists <laughs> are going to put themselves out of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need to start uh, focus on uh, other things. So you, you worked a little bit, you, not a little bit, like uh, most of your career until now, uh, on plants. Can, can you tell, like, about your work uh, uh, referring uh, to bonsai? Uh, well, uh, so, so, so one of my interests lately has become um, a side, kind of side interest, really. Uh, so all plants are capable of becoming a bonsai plant, right? And I'm curious to know what it would take to 
create and maintain plants in kind of a bonsai form. That's fairly similar, or at least slightly related to aging field in that if, um, if, if you can create, say, a bonsai person, right, it's, you're, you're slowing growth and you're delaying certain developments. So when, when you go to see a bonsai tree in the future, uh, think of it as just like uh, similar to what we want to do with aging. We want to be able to slow down and, and hold development and, and stop the progression of age. So uh, it's more or less a side project now. Um, it, just because we've been touching on a bunch of different things within the science field, something that I should point out with um, the uh, within the plant community right now, one of the big things is meat alternatives, right? So they've been doing uh, genetic engineering to alter the proteins within different plants so that when it's harvested from a field, you can just grind it up, eat it, and it tastes like a hamburger. And there's a couple companies doing that right now. Uh, there's also companies that are, are just growing cells, cell culture meat, right? But uh, in, in the plant world, that mod protein modification to create new meats has become a really, really big thing, especially in San Francisco. Uh, so there's a company called Alpine Roads that's becoming uh, a player in that field. And most of the people I work with went there. So it's, you know. Uh, hats off to them. Make that happen. I think it would be a fantastic thing. Uh, but that's that's kind of the big thing right now. The other thing is regulation in the field. GMO plants used to be heavily regulated, and that regulation is planned to be uh, removed very soon. So it'd be interesting. If that, like I, I want to know what's going to happen with it because when you deregulate that system, which took 15 years to create a product, you're going to uh, open up the floodgates for, for new companies. And there's, you know, um, a plethora of things that could be done that would be very, very beneficial in that field provided the deregulation occurs. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping for that. We'll, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, the, the <laughs> investment opportunity, uh, fake meat, <laughs> go have a look. Tell me if I understood it correctly. Like uh, a bonsai is a plant that didn't uh, grow and get old? Well, no, I mean, they're, they're growing, they're developing, but it's slowed, slowed growth. Um, and, and basically, so imagine nutrient deprivation and uh, reduced, I, I mean, uh, right, I'll show you these. So, so th these pepper plants are, uh, it, it's a type of bonsai, I guess. But they're seven, eight months old now. And your typical eight-month-old um, pepper plant would be, you know, three feet tall. You know, it would be a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, so there, there are the, – the plant world is very interesting to me with aging because I haven't yet really met – people that are working on it, for example, but we know that the underlying genetics is, is there. For, for example, uh, between a human and another human, we're 99.99% the same genetically, right? So it's just that like 0.01% that's different between humans, between you and me, for example. But between, say, uh, bananas, like one that people talk about. So, so between bananas and humans, we're 60% the same, which means that the molecular 
elements within both the banana plant and the human, there's 60% that's mechanistically similar. So ubiquitin and different, there's like mTOR is in uh, plants. There's, there's a system that all evolved over time, right? So plants age just like humans do, right? There's, there's an aging system. The thing with plants though, is that uh, when you think about a tree, right? The, the rings in the tree. So every year they grow out, the cells die, there's a new layer of cells and that's what wood is, right? Um, they, they drop their leaves. They're, they're constantly expanding, growing outward, right? So cells that were last year typically die or become wood and, or they drop the leaf and that leaf decomposes. So it's always making new cells. But I think there's a lot that could be learned from the plant world uh, in relation to aging because you can eliminate a bunch of uh, the human structure, right? So we know that plants age, we know that everything basically ages, yeast, etc. So we should be able to narrow the targets for aging research based on that ancestral character characteristic of uh, gen the genetics, right? You're 60% like a banana. So the next time you eat a banana, I want you to just consider that, okay? Is this a good option? Huh? Okay, Nata. So we had a good conversation. I want to thank you for uh, joining me today. Uh, it was very informative for me and for the audience, I'm sure. And yeah. do, do you want to tell people who, maybe for students or graduates, what are the opportunities that are open in the Buck Institute? Maybe. Sure. So the Buck Institute uh, has several labs. Um, the most famous would be Judy Campisi. And uh, there, there's a ton of opportunity there. The, the Buck is doing very well right now. Um, it's an expanding environment. There's a lot of stuff going on. So I'm not really aware of openings right now because, you know, I'm, I'm busy doing experiments, but um, I'm seeing new faces, people, you know, so there's got to be opportunity there. And it is an incredibly wonderful place to be. Uh, you know, the environment's beautiful, wonderful. The, the science being done is exceptional. It's, I, I encourage people to consider it as an option. Um, that's, I, I mean, there's opportunity. I don't know what labs are hiring at the moment, though. Okay. My, my advice for, for younger people that are, are becoming uh, scientists, right, or they want to become a scientist is uh, get the background necessary to do aging research if you want to do it. There's a lot of uh, opportunities coming. So, so right now, I'd say we're um, early IBM stages for comparison, right? So the, the growth in this sector is going to be explosive in the future. So, I mean, imagine the value of something. If somebody discovers something that's going to alter the, the rate at which we age, that could be the most valuable drug ever discovered. So if, if you want to impact the world in positive ways, and that's why people do science, uh, this is the, uh, what, what is the cliche people say? This is our moonshot moment, right? So yeah. get on board, join the team, and uh, let's let's do this. So please. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's do it. Thank you, Nathan. It was a great uh, conversation. Thank you. Okay, I hope I inspired someone. Have a good day. You inspired me. <laughs>